This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. All right, howdy, folks, and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, podcast where we get you all caught up on everything involving North Shore High School sports, especially their local champions. Um, this week, I am, well, I'm always Michael Dwojic every single week, but this week I'm only here with the record North Shore founding member, Marty Carlino, as Joe Coglin is off for this week and a couple weeks. Uh, Joe and his wife were happy to welcome their uh, second uh, boy uh, over the last couple of days. So, uh, Joe getting some, I don't know, rest is the right word, but some rest from the podcast, at least uh, for the next uh, couple of weeks. So it's just Marty and uh, it's be a two-man booth here uh, for uh, at least this episode and maybe uh, next week's episode as well. But um, despite losing a man, we have a lot to talk about in this week's episode of the podcast. Um, we're going to do our usual four-quarter format still this week, where in the first quarter we Uh, get you all caught up on those Loyola Academy Ramblers across teams as we have two state champions um, after last week's heroics. We also talk about the boys track and field state championships that took place. In the second quarter, we are joined by Loyola Academy boys across head coach Rob Snyder as he talks about the team's uh, state championship win. In the third uh, quarter, we are going to play way or no way or weekly guessing game where I actually make the debut for the first time. And in the fourth quarter, we get you all caught up on everything else that's happening, especially baseball-wise with some All-State honors. And we get you caught up with a familiar uh, baseball, nutrier baseball player um, playing professionally uh, around the world a little bit. But we're going to get you caught up on him as well. So, um why don't we get things started here in the first quarter, and why don't we start off with uh, the lacrosse team that won the state title first, and that is the Loyola Academy girls uh, lacrosse team, who uh, took care of business against Kinsdale Central to win 14-7 to in their semifinal matchup, and then uh, took care of uh, business again, 18-7 to um, against GBS on Friday night to win the team's first IHSA-sponsored state championship, not the first uh, lacrosse state championship for the Ramblers, but the first time they won it as an IHSA-sanctioned sport. And I'm going to bring Marty into the fold now as he was out there covering that championship game. And Marty, um, 14-7 and 18-7, not really close scores at all for a state title game. And we already talked about that last week with the Nutria game, but – what did you see from the Ramblers, and uh, was there really ever a doubt that this team was going to win the state championship? Yeah, I don't think there really was ever a doubt, Michael, and the Ramblers proved that within the first 15 seconds of the game as, you know, before you could even blink and before most fans had even entered, it was 2 nothing, and then it uh, the Ramblers ultimately made it 4 nothing before GBS had their first goal, and you know, that was what really, really impressed me um, Friday night covering that game as Loyola you could tell from right from the get-go that that was a team on a mission. And that was a team that was not going to be deterred um, from winning that state title. They just came out firing. I believe the first goal was within 
eight seconds right off the draw. You know, they just moved the ball downfield and scored almost instantaneously. So really impressive effort from them. And it is unfortunate, as you mentioned there, Michael, that the uh, showdown they had last week with Nutrier, where it was just a thrilling back and forth come from behind game, um, was not the state title game. And instead, uh, a game that turned out to be a you know a wide a wide scoring margin and a, a wide uh, uh, you know a pretty pretty hefty margin of victory for the Ramblers turned out to be the state title game. But you know this is a this is a team we've talked about all year about how great we think they are and they've showed it time and time again and they finished the season with a perfect unblemished re- record and you know the team the only real team that challenged them uh, throughout the year was those matchups with Nutrier and. We got to see that game three times and the Ramblers bested them all three times. So um, I think we should be uh, probably pretty thankful that we got to see that uh, great showdown, you know, multiple times this year. Um, Usually we don't get to see it as often as we did this year, but um, you know, a little bit of a more uh, tougher schedule for the Ramblers this season because of everything that was jammed together um, with the shortened year because of the pandemic. But I think there's no doubt in anyone's mind that the Ramblers were the best team in the state this year. And they were led by uh, senior captain Ellie Lazaretto. Uh, obviously, she's uh, someone we've been talking about and someone you guys heard from last week, Marty. How much of a um, of the charge did she just kind of take right from the beginning? And um, how special is she just from what her players and coaches just see what she's able to do for that program? Yeah, obviously a tremendous talent and someone like you mentioned, Michael, that we've talked about so many times on this podcast before headed to, I believe, Duke next year to continue her lacrosse career and um, had a chance to catch up with her after the game. And uh, one of the questions I asked her was after such, uh, you know, emotional high win against Nutrier and such a battle, how what was the message to her teammates to keep them, you know, motivated and focused on the ultimate goal, which of course was that state title. Uh, And she just said that they knew they had unfinished business and they knew they had to finish the job. And um, they knew that one slip up would, would cost them their, uh, would cost them of achieving their goal. So, you know, maintaining that focus was a a really an important for them. And she also talked about how getting out to a fast start was very important for them as well, because, Sometimes if you let a team, you know, hang around and build some confidence early in the game, that's when that uh, opposing team can do some damage. And maybe uh, that's when an upset occurs, but the Ramblers gave Glenbrook South no chance to do that as it was, uh, it was put to bed pretty early on. I think after GBS had made it four to two, Loyola scored the next five in a row to, to make it nine to two. And essentially at that point, it was, uh, it was all over, but the formality of the finish. So, um, one message that uh, she had said the coaching staff had passed down to the players was come out and play like you were down five zero. I remember her, uh, her telling me that post game and certainly the way they came out and played, it seemed like they were, uh, they were down and they only had a couple minutes left, but in reality, it was just the start of the game. So real, really impressive effort from them. You know, I, I could keep describing it in many ways, in as many ways possible, but I think the scoreline and their overall um, record this year is the best way to describe just how dominant of a team they were this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, to go 25 and no, I mean, obviously I know they didn't get a chance to play um, out of state opponents. Like they usually get a chance to do with uh, obviously COVID still taking um, its hold on us a little bit at the beginning of the season, but 
Um, obviously, really impressive to win to finish the season twenty five and zero, first time that's happened in program history without any ties or losses, um, and fourteenth uh, state championship for uh, the Ramblers. Like I mentioned before, the first for um, in the IHSA sanctioned uh, world. But um, they were out there uh, the next day on Saturday to support the boys who uh, were also playing in the state championship game after taking care of business against Wheaton Academy eleven to seven. Um, and that game, it didn't look that uh, great after the first half. And you can say the same thing about the championship game on Saturday against Lake Forest, where um, the boys team really held up to its motto of uh, being a second half team. I talked to uh, Connor uh, Tomoso after the game, and um, he even talked about it's not really an MO. It's not really something they're looking to do to be uh, a second half team. But for some reason, they were really able to uh uh, click it in the second half, and that's exactly what the Ramblers did in their 11-8 win on Saturday against Lake Forest to win its uh, second IHSA uh, championship in uh, the IHSA uh, sanctioned form. Um, the Ramblers were down 6-3 to three at the half. Uh, really, Lake Forest was really able to control the pace of the game for much of the first half. They were able to uh, really uh, take control. They were making their passes well, and they were limiting what Loyola was able to do, but um, the Ramblers responded with two quick goals to start the second half in the first uh, 30 seconds of the second half. And then uh, Wilma Harris uh, scored to tie the game with 11 17 uh, left in the game. And then Loyola scored 30 seconds later and took uh, scored the next four games and just took control of the game uh, right from there. I mean, they were just moving the ball well, they were finding their shots, they were really uh, finding different opportunities. Um, which they really were doing in the first half, which is really interesting. Um, they were just really able to uh, move the ball better. They were able to get opportunities, get behind the net opportunities. Um, kind of most scored five goals for the Ramblers. He was a big presence. He was uh, on a heater in the playoffs, as the kids say, really just scoring a lot of goals um, and really taking an opportunity where Marty, uh, for some reason, that first half doesn't really work for them, but uh, they're really able to uh, turn it around in the second half. And uh, we've seen that. They, they coach Snyder talked about it. They at least five or six or seven or eight games where they trailed in the first half. So for some reason, that uh, halftime speech or whatever happens in the halftime really motivates them. Yeah, and what do you think really made the difference in between those uh, two halves, Michael? I know the, the oldest cliche in sports writing is it was a tale of two halves, but definitely seems like it was a little bit on Saturday. So what do you think made the difference? I think they were just able to do as dumb as this might sound. They were just able to do what they do well, better than they were in the first half. Like they weren't like trying to get fancy on like fighting for ground balls. They weren't like trying to do too much of it. They were just sticking to their fundamentals that they were doing. And um, I know that sometimes that might sound like, well, duh, that's like what you need to do. But that's exactly what the difference in the first half where at the first half, I'm not going to say that they got cocky or anything like that, but in the first half, they maybe weren't going for balls as much as they should be. Maybe they weren't making clean uh, swipes at the ball or really doing that kind of stuff. But in the second half, they were really able to get that going and they really used that motivation of the first two goals in the first 30 seconds. I mean, um, you had Connor driving to the nets, both from passes behind the, um, goal or even just running straight through the Lake Forest defense. I mean, they were really just able to take advantage of what Lake Forest was doing. Um, Coach uh, Snyder talked about how he was confident in them scoring three goals in the first 20 se- uh, 30 seconds in the second half. They scored two. But um, when I talked to them after the game, they had no 
um, quarrels or anything where they were just like, yeah, I don't know if we're going to come back from this. I mean, they were confident throughout the game. They knew that they were the better team and um, they were really able to prove it. And um, for that to happen, I mean, the Lake Forest girl or the Loyola Academy girls team was there with the state trophy on Saturday. I mean, we talked about this a little bit, but for both teams to win the state title, the same year, the first time program has done it as uh, IHSA, obviously state titles, but um, we've talked about it with the battle between New Trier and Loyola, but uh, Loyola really showing its uh, supremeness uh, between the two programs and between all the programs among the state, especially for both boys and girls by winning those two state titles. Yeah, talk about a uh, a dream season for Loyola Academy across. I don't think you can uh, get much better than both programs hoisting the state title at the end of the season. And uh, I <laughs> I think it's pretty fair to say that it makes it all the more sweeter that for both teams on the road to that state championship, they bested their rival, Nutrier. Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit more if we want to. I mean, you guys have heard us talk about this for, I don't know, years at this point. But just uh, – for the girls to be winning 14 to seven and 18 to seven in the semifinal and final game. And it's what we've talked about before you want fun competition, at least for the boys game, it was a fun, close, closer competition um, with the boys championship game, but you still, uh, we can both still say pretty confidently that Nutrier probably should have been in the state title game. We don't know what would have happened if um, the IHSA did it differently. And they did seating where Loyola was one and Nutrier was two and vice versa, depending on the boys and girls. But obviously that's why they play the games. We don't know hundred percent what's going to happen, but um, obviously it would have been more fun to watch them at least play in the semifinal or the final game, but that still doesn't take away from what the Ramblers were uh, able to do um, this past year, obviously with all the COVID protocols and that kind of stuff, just able to take advantage of that opportunity to win two state titles for uh, Loyola Academy. We also had uh, boys track and field take travel down and compete in the state championships in Charleston. Um, Loyola competed and had some top finishers where uh, Spencer Werner is a two-time All-Stater after he finished third in the 3,200 meter with the time of nine minutes, 16 seconds and 0.65. And he finished fourth in the 1,600 meter with a time of 413.60. The Loyola Academy 4x400 team finished sixth. Um, while Austin Kambamban finished fourth in the 400 meters in uh, 49.26 to have uh, the Loyola Ramblers uh, finish eighth in state as a team. You also had New Trier uh, have um, uh, Charlie Siebert finished fourth in the 3,200 and 9 minutes uh, and 17 seconds, 0.67. That's an all-state finish as well. Patrick Jamison finished 16th in the 800. Andrew Flynn finished 16th in the 1600. And George Cahill finished 20th in the 1600, while Nick Falk finished 8th in the 3200, where um, we talked about those distance runners, Marty, and uh, they're really able to compete for uh, both Loyola and Nutrier. Uh, They really made their mark at the state championship uh, this weekend. Yeah, some really impressive showings from our local teams uh, at state. And as you mentioned, in, in listing off those finishes, Michael, you know, some really impressive showings of depth as well. You know, multiple uh, runners from each program uh, making their impact felt at uh, over the weekend. So really impressed and excited to see what, uh, what these runners will do here in the upcoming season. So, you know, good showings, I think, for both programs. Yeah, definitely. And we, we had talked about this a little bit in the fall 
where uh, you could kind of foresee what was going to happen uh, with these runners, uh, especially the distance runners competing. And they were able to show that there and exciting to see what um, some of the returning runners are able to do, especially Spencer Werner. Maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more in the third quarter way or no way. But congratulations to all those runners who were able to uh, put together a strong season, a strong finish at state. And to finish things off, we obviously have to mention North Shore Country Day competed in their state championships as well, Class 1A on Friday, um, where they had a lot of uh, strong finishes, including um, Sam Roshak winning the long jump at 6.74 uh, distance. He also uh, competed in the 300 meters with the 41.61 and the 4 by 200 team for North Shore Country Day finished 13th. So. Um, Marty, obviously we talked about Loyola and, uh, Nutria with their distance runners, but, um, for Sam to, uh, win the state title in long jump, obviously very impressive, um, for him. Yeah, really great. And, you know, it's awesome to see a North Shore country day capture, um, first in a, in a state event. And that's, uh, that's a great accomplishment. And then as you also, uh, are going to, to talk about a little bit further, Michael, some, some good finishes up and down for, for North shore country day. So definitely a performance to, uh, to take pride in over the weekend for them. Yeah, definitely. So congratulations to them and uh, the Ramblers and the Trevians on the successful uh, state weekend uh, down in Charleston. Cross state championship talk won't stop here in the second quarter as we are joined by boys uh, lacrosse head coach, uh, Rob Snyder. I got a chance to catch up with him after his team won the state title game. You'll hear him talk about how uh, sweet it was to uh, get that ice bath from uh, the drinks. Uh, it was like a solid uh, hot day out there. I did not burn out, but they were uh, a lot of uh, heat out there. So I'm sure that felt really good. And Coach Snyder also talks about what it means to win that state title game, the come from behind finish and uh, just dealing with everything. So let's take a listen now. Our kids played uh, another one-half game for us, but it was awesome. They did a great job. They fought hard the entire game, fought back. Um, very proud of them. Signs of a great team. You know, always, you know, the way we started today to now, my hat's off to uh, Lake Forest. You guys were down 6-3 and a half. Yep. Outscored 8-1. The second half, Philly finally got that goal late. Yeah. But just... What did they kind of get you guys going to get that run? You know, all we talked about is the same thing we always talk about. I was like, do your jobs know exactly what we've what we talked about what we practiced what we've gone over over and over and over um i literally said walking out of the huddle to the offense i'm like we're gonna score three goals in 30 seconds we got two <laughs> so um our kids have a lot of confidence we've been in this situation seven or eight times this year we've been down a lot um some games five nothing after the first quarter um and we battled back on all those games that's the state semifinal game we're down um so uh Kids fall hard. So. I know usually you give them a hard time about starting slow, but were you happy just to see them come back today? Oh, absolutely. Without question. That would have been uh, – I mean, with COVID, everything that's going on this year has been a tough year with all that. So a lot of work, you know, the crossover football stuff, kids coming from both uh, football and to play lacrosse. Um, a lot of tired kids, but our kids fought through all year. It was awesome. So wouldn't have it any other way. Def de definitely don't want to lose the game for sure. <laughs> And now the girls won last time. Yeah. So how exciting is it for the school to have it's awesome. girls return to state, win the championship? Yeah. You guys come out today, win state again. It's it's awesome for the school. Um, just shows the amount of work the kids put in. Like we practice, we literally practice next to each other. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to see 
um, on both programs. They put in a ton of work. Those those girls put in a, um, a ton of work. They're awesome when you watch them play. And our guys put it in. They support each other. I'm sure they're all here too. Um, so it's pretty pretty cool to see that they have both programs win. You talk about the way Connor's played the last. Di Tommaso? Is that what you're talking about? Six? Yeah, he's been. He went into a little slump for a little bit, shooting slump, if you want to call it that. And all I kept telling him was like, you got, you got to change up a little bit. Can't keep shooting the same shot. I like just keep shooting, just like basketball. You know, the shooters shoot, he scores, keep shooting. So that's what he did, and he got really hot in the playoffs because he's scoring like crazy. He scores in bunches. What happened in that first half where, like, Forrest was able to get out to that early leader? What were they doing there? Um, you know what? They're very good, patient with the ball. We weren't doing what we were supposed to. We, we knew exactly. I mean, there, there's not much more you can do differently that we haven't seen and they haven't seen from us and all that. So we knew what they were going to do. We just didn't execute on our end, on, on the back end. And hats off to number one. He, I mean, he played great. Uh, he, he, made, he changed up our scheme. We had to change it and make it different for him. Um, so that was uh, – but the first half, that's, that's what it was. Another thing was in between the lines, we weren't picking up ground balls. We were being too cute with it. Instead of just picking it up, we're always looking for somebody else to take the man or, 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 or pick it up for us instead of us picking up and Lake Forest jumped on it and they were picking up ground balls. So they are winning the battle between the restraining lines today. I know you. Was there a moment where you kind of realized, all right, we got this? I'm sure you were confident throughout um, the game, but like, was it those two quick goals? I think goals? the first two quick goals yeah. were right back in it, then it was a one-goal game. Because then, you know, each possession matters. They make a mistake, on, you know, and we tie it up. It's a, it's a whole new ball game. So, you know, we had some stuff that we still were planning to do, and we didn't get a chance to do it because our guys stuck a, couple, stuck a couple shots and got the lead. And once we got up two, got up three, got up four, and then we went into a little kind of a stall offense that we have, which actually generated a goal for us. So, and I know that you guys played them earlier this year, yeah. so it was a close game then. So, what do you think? Was there anything different between this game? No, they 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 improved a ton. We had in the first game, it was it was it was literally seven 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 six them in the third quarter, and we went on like a seven goal run. So then once we got up five six seven goals, it changes your perspective as a player. All that, and then you got to now you press a little bit. You know, they think that you got to take the deep shot, which doesn't count as two. It's, a, it's still a goal. It still counts as one. So guys are pressing. So then it just got out of, out of hand. This one was a little different. You know, we were coming from behind. We got the lead. Um, you know, they, they improved a ton. Um, and, I, and I'll say this. The coaching staff did a great job. Will Nowesnick played for me here. He's one of the, the assistant coaches for him. He's done a great job with those guys. Uh, Justin Smith, and, and, as well as co- uh, the head coach, they, they did a great job this year. They improved a ton since the first time we played them. Thanks so much, Coach Snyder, for joining us. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches for joining us every single week. Always good to get your guys' insight. So we're halfway through the podcast, so let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure to check them out, move better, and live better. All right, in the third quarter, we are going to play our weekly guessing game of way or no way, where... Uh, we are going to say whether a proposition can happen, whether a proposition can or cannot happen. I'm going to make my way or no way debut. As surprising as that might be, three years I've never played way or no way, so we're going to check this out and see um, exactly uh, what happens. So um, the first way or no way deals with a new Trier alum, and that is Charlie Tilson, who was uh, bounced around a little bit. He's played for a Mexican baseball team um south of the border and now he's back in the u.s playing for the long island uh, minor league team so marty way or no way that charlie tilson makes it back to the pros um in the major leagues uh during his career you know i think there's a chance here michael so uh you know as crazy as this may sound 
I'm going to go ahead and say way on this one. Um, you alluded to alluded it to it there, Michael. He signed a, a minor league deal with the Philadelphia Phillies, and um, obviously the, the the central part of this question is if he'll be able to make it to the big leagues again. So the most immediate chance for him would be with the Phillies. And just looking at what they currently have at the major league level, it looks like um, you know maybe they do lack a little bit of that depth in the outfield. So. I think there is a slim chance that, uh, you know, another injury or two occurs at the major league level that uh, Charlie could maybe be a shot at, uh, could maybe get a shot at uh, coming off the bench for the Phillies and being a fifth outfielder type of player. Um, you know, obviously I still think there's several names in front of him and he's still uh, probably a, a little ways down the depth chart for that call. But I think there's a slim chance maybe toward the end of this season, uh, especially if, if the Phillies are in uh, contention a little bit and need someone with major league experience to come up for a, for a quick opportunity at the, at the major league level. So I see tonight uh, I'm looking at the, uh, at Lehigh's lineup where he's currently at and he's hitting second between two uh, former major leaguers with Scott Kingry leading off, who obviously has experience with the Phillies at the big league level and Ruben Tejada at uh, hitting third for, for them. So I think there's a chance for Charlie. I, I don't uh, want to go get too excited here and say there's a great chance, but I'm going to say way. Uh, um, he'll need a few breaks, but I'll say way on this one. Yeah, I think I'm going to agree with you there and go way, uh, way just based on what we're seeing around um, Major League Baseball where everyone's getting hurt, whether it's like a torn hamstring or whatever. It just seems like um, I don't know what it is, whether it's the COVID season last year and not having enough games, not prep and that kind of stuff. I mean, it just seems like everyone is uh, dropping like flies or going to the IL. So um, I'll give him a, a way because I think he's always been able to show that he can make some solid contact sometimes. I think he can play a reliable outfield. So I think uh, way maybe September call-ups as well. I think he'll get a chance to come up and uh, play in the major leagues again. Um, all right. Our second way or no, he deals with Spencer Werner, who we talked about in the first quarter where, um, he's shown a lot of strong performances for the Loyola Academy cross-country team and boys track and field team. So way or no way, Mario, they finish his top five in the state in cross-country next year. I'm going to go way on this one, Michael. And you and I have both had the chance to cover him in person and see him run live in person. And I think we're really encouraged by what he showed us in this uh, in his junior season, um, especially with the the year that was impacted um, by the by the pandemic. Uh, you know, cross country was one of the only sports last year that uh, was still going in the fall and had a quote unquote normal season, obviously no state series for them last year, but still had regional and sectional events. So um, we got to see Spencer at the highest possible level, the highest possible level that uh, that we were able to given the restrictions in place due to the pandemic. But, you know, I, I thought he had a really encouraging year, thought we saw a lot of uh, great things from him. If I'm not mistaken, he was a top five finisher at the sectional event that we covered uh, last year at cross country. So, you know, heading into his senior year, I think he'll take that step forward and, and, and push a very strong season. And if his um, indication, if his performance over state um, with track most recently this, this past weekend is any indication. I think that, uh, that shows that he's ready to take uh, one step further next season and, uh, potentially reach that upper echelon of, uh, of the state's best runners. Unfortunately, I think I'm going to agree with you here, Marty. Um, well, not unfortunately for Spencer, obviously, but, uh, just, uh, I think, uh, 
Spencer's really showing us what he's able to do. I mean, just the way he finished here at the track state meet and what he was able to do last year at sectionals without a state meet as well. Um, I think Spencer has a lot of uh, potential and um, outgoing uh, uh, Loyola Academy uh, cross country coach, uh, C- uh, coach Seberg talked about that a little bit. He's got a lot of potential. So um, I'm going to go away here. I think he uh, is going to have a top five finish in the cross country uh, um, state meet next year. And I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's competing for a state title, but I definitely think he'll finish in a top five. Um, all right, we're going to do one more way or no way. Way or no way, Marty de Loyola uh, lacrosse wins another state title before Nutrier wins one. I know, obviously, this is a fun battle between the two programs, and um, I'm sure we'll see them competing against ne- next year. But way or no way that uh, Loyola wins another state title before Nutrier does. Yeah, this is a really tough one to to answer, Michael, because I know that uh, on the girls' side of things, the Ramblers are graduating. Uh, a lot of the leaders from this year's undefeated 25 and 0 team that we talked about earlier, but it, it definitely seems like they in recent years, especially have just been able to, um, you know, I don't know if replace is the right word because some of these, you know, top caliber, great players are hard to replace, but um, you know, fill the voids left by them with, with new incoming talent. So uh, I just think they're, they're going to be a, a prime contender again next season as well. Um, on the on the boys side of things, uh, you you probably have a little bit better of an outlook of what uh, the Ramblers are going to look like next season than I do, Michael. But uh, I'm going to go no way on this one. I think the Trevians will get one title um, next season, uh, while the Ramblers also get one. But I'm going to say that that's going to come maybe a day before, depending on when the game is played. So. I'm going to go no way. I think they'll each get one next year. Um, but I think maybe the Trevs will get the first one, depending on how the schedule plays out. Yeah, as being, as being the question maker, I'm pretty mad at myself for the question because it's really a, it's a tough one because, um, like you mentioned, Loyola girls loses a lot, while Loyola boys retains a lot of senior le- uh, a lot of returning talent from uh, this year's state title team. And um, based on what I remember, I think the girls play before the boys play in the state title games. And I think, Nutrier might have a stronger team returning next year. Um, so I would not be surprised at all if Nutrier girls win, like you mentioned, the day before, and then the boys, Loyola boys win the next day. But obviously between these two teams, it's never uh, easy to tell. But I'm going to go no way as well. I think uh, just because of the semantics and specifics, uh, that's the reason why. But again, I think it'll be the same thing as it was this year where these two teams are playing in a sectional final when they should be playing in a state title game. But what are you going to do? IHSA is, IHSA is not going to change, but um, we're not going to change because uh, we've uh, agreed on everything. So we're just going to move on over to uh, the fourth quarter where we are just going to catch up on some local ba- baseball headlines um, to finish things up here. Um, I know uh, you uh, talked about uh, all, all uh, state baseball player. We've talked about this player a lot for the Nutria baseball team, Marty. Um, and, uh, what, uh, I mean, tell us who the player is and just, uh, what uh, that honor really means for him. Yeah. We just saw the list released here. I believe it was yesterday. Um, for those listening, that would be Tuesday, but new Alex Calarco was named to the all state for a baseball team, obviously a tremendous honor given, uh, the level of competition that is across the state of Illinois and the number of players that are particularly in the, uh, in the four, a 
range. And those are the, the biggest schools in the state. So a, a, an outstanding honor for an outstanding player who time and time showed us that he was one of the best hitters in the state. And this recognition um, shows that, uh, that those around Illinois agree with what we've been saying on this podcast all year is that uh, Alex Calarco is one of the best bats in the state. And, you know, having him in the middle of that new chair lineup was huge for the Trevians all year, consistent uh, run producer. He, uh, he just absolutely destroyed baseball baseballs for the Trevians all year. Um, You know, great patience at the plate and uh, a great, uh, just a phenomenal ability to barrel up the baseball and just, um, consistently hit the ball with authority. He, uh, he was the, the main guy in that neutral lineup that proved to be very, very dangerous throughout its run uh, in the playoffs. So congratulations to Alex. And as we've reported and is pretty widely known, he'll be continuing his baseball career at Northwestern next year, where um, right now his brother, uh, Anthony Calarco is playing there as well. And if I'm not mistaken, he finished the Big Ten conference season on an absolute tear, uh, winning uh, player of the week awards and, and just crushing home run after home run. So uh, could be a really dangerous uh, Northwestern lineup next year with uh, that could possibly feature two Calarcos in it. So one other local player that was named to the list uh, just outside of our coverage area, but we should give him a shout out as well is Glenbrook North left-handed ace pitcher Eric Orloff. Um, who was named to uh, the list as well. And of course, many baseball fans in the area are probably familiar um, with Eric and uh, maybe even had the chance to see him pitch for the Spartans this year. Uh, Earlier in an episode of the podcast, we talked about his 17 strikeout performance against New Trier. And uh, he's a a tremendously talented left-handed pitcher with a big fastball and a big breaking ball. And he's headed to Arizona State Arizona, excuse me. He's headed to Arizona next year to uh, continue his baseball career. So a lot of, a lot of tremendous talent at the uh, local baseball level here in our coverage area. I know you're really uh, familiar with uh, baseball town. Do you feel like anyone was snubbed from the list? Like uh, we talked about with the football list, or do you feel like the list was pretty good? I think it was pretty good, Michael. I think these were the, two local names that we expected to be on there. So um, I, I think it was pretty well done. And, and to, to see that both of these, um, both of these players were included on the list. I've got no, I've got no arguments. I've got no gripes. So I think both are, are, are absolutely deserving. And I'm glad to see that they were included in the uh, all state list at the 4A level. Yeah, definitely. And uh Congrats to him, obviously, on the great honor. And uh, we talked a little bit about it in the third quarter, Charlie Tilson, like uh, um, we mentioned earlier, bouncing around a little bit now in the Phillies program as well. And we gave our uh, opportunities of whether we think he's going to make the um, major leagues. But, I mean, we've, we've talked about Charlie um, a little bit. Obviously, we've uh, you guys ran a story about him, uh, about his uh, comeback. He was obviously a volunteer coach at Northwestern. Then he went to Mexico. Now he's back in the United States. And, um, obviously he's been in the, uh, Cardinal system, the White Sox system, the pirate system, uh, just trying to uh, bounce around. And, um, it's, I feel like, uh, obviously Charlie's a great dude and that kind of stuff. But I also just feel like he, his play, I feel like it play his play war in some sort of like role in the majors. I feel like he could make a position, like you kind of talked about a fifth outfielder, like kind of sub in a platoon player, maybe late in the game where, 
Um, you need him to, uh, you know, just come in for defensive plays, maybe get you a hit in there. I I feel like there's a place for Charlie um, in the major leagues. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you, Michael. And uh, I'm really, really excited to, for him and, and for both, you know, local sports fans to see him get another chance at it because I think early in his career, he had some really tough, um, you know, I, I want to say, I, I'm going to even say tough luck injuries, you know, uh, you know, maybe you can even call them fluke injuries, um, but, but some injuries that really affected him and really hampered his style of play. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Michael, I think it was a toe injury early on and then a hamstring injury. And maybe, yeah. there, maybe there was something else in there too. Um, but you know, a big part of Charlie's game obviously was his speed and his ability to run. And those are two injuries that can, uh, drastically affect your speed, you know, um, both, both lower half injuries that, uh, can alter your ability that can significantly alter your ability to run. So happy to see him get another chance. We've talked about on this podcast before how his, um, his first major league home run, which was a grand slam against the Astros was one of our favorite, uh, you know, local alums making a, a impact at the professional level moments. And, um, as we talked about in way, no way, maybe there's a path for him to, to get back to the big leagues. Maybe um, I thought it was a great point, Michael, you mentioned with all the injuries that have happened this season, absolutely something to consider. And I know, you know, the Phillies have had a couple of their outfielders, including Bryce Harper, have some, some issues come up, you know, time and time again, this season, as most outfielders, uh, most uh, major league teams have, you know, suffered injuries this year. So maybe there is the chance for him to get back. Maybe there is the path and, um, you know, in his time in the major, we've seen that he can uh, be a valuable defender, a, va- a, a valuable defender, a valuable base runner. Um, you know, he's shown some good contact skills. The part of the game that if he does get another chance at the big league level, he's really going to have to showcase a little bit more is power. Obviously, the uh, the game at the major league level has uh, transitioned, for lack of a better wor- word, into a more um, – you know, home run dependent power, power focused game where, uh, you know, singles hitters who are just able to uh, reach base and, and not showcase that extra base power uh, have come and have, have fallen a little bit by the wayside, given the, the direction which the game is going. So uh, if Charlie gets another chance, maybe he's able to uh, find a little bit more power in that bat and showcase a, a little bit more power. And if he is able to, maybe that's his path to, to staying in the big leagues and getting some regular playing time. Yeah, definitely. I hundred percent agree with you there. And obviously we don't wish anyone to get injured, but uh, obviously that would, uh, if it leads to uh, Charlie making the major leagues, um, we wouldn't be entirely uh, sad about it as well, but uh, we'll keep you guys posted on how that goes, uh, how a season goes in the minors and everything else. Uh, that we've got going on in North Shore sports scene as we are entering the summer months of the podcast. So we'll try to create some fun stuff for you folks at home. But um, I hope you guys enjoyed uh, this week's episode of the podcast. It's a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available. Make sure you subscribe. Give us a nice like as well. Um, give us a nice review too. We're anywhere, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Android, what have you. We are all there. Make sure to listen to old episodes of the podcast as well for some fun interviews. Um, a lot of uh, good stuff and good insights. We've got a couple of uh, back-to-back state championship episodes with this week, some last week's of the Nature Boys tennis team. So um, make sure you guys are checking that out um, as well. So um, 
for uh, Marty and I. Thanks so much for joining us this week. And we will talk to you guys down the road. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Varsity, a product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.